Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. They all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come, so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you remember the news of the time, but several years back I remember hearing the story about a family getting a bill for the expense of a kid who said he'd go to a friend's birthday party but didn't show up. And it was petty, and there was bickering. The hosting family obviously had made some preparations, and they felt like maybe especially for the birthday celebrant, they had been slighted. Actions sometimes have consequences, so they sent a bill for what they saw as wasted. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a day at Club 33 at Disneyland or anything like that. It was probably the cost of some trinkets and treats, but the folks who prepared it felt pretty put out. Now, I'll be honest, I like when people keep their commitments but the response seemed a little ridiculous for a five-year-old's birthday party. Well, let's change the stakes a little bit. It took a long time for Major League Baseball to agree to have 60 games in an abbreviated season for 2020. Several teams have played around the 20-ish game mark this summer. The St. Louis Cardinals have played seven. Through circumstances beyond their control, and I realize I'm giving them a great benefit of the doubt here, but because we're in the middle of a global viral outbreak, this team played about a quarter of its scheduled games so far. I'm going to personally prioritize health over revenues, but it still costs something to miss out on the endorsement and advertising dollars of those games that are being missed. That's on top of the box office, concession, and souvenir losses already. It costs something to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars, and there's little, no, little to no way to recoup that loss. Who, who could you possibly send a bill to? Now let's increase the stakes even more. Here's a scenario that involved intricate preparations, thousands of years of planning and timing and messaging. There is an incredibly high price paid for this particular event. It costs the only begotten son of our heavenly father. Invitations to the dinner of forgiveness, reconciliation, and a new start have been shared widely, but invited guests to this day still snub the host's invitation. So what happens when we stand up God? What if we turn down his invitation to the banquet? And that leads to our first lesson this morning. 
The invitation is about God's generosity, not our deserving. The invitation is about God's generosity, not our deserving. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend the banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. Jesus was eating dinner on the Sabbath day in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and he was being very closely watched by skeptics. The first thing reported in this meal is that Jesus heals a man with swelling on the Sabbath, and the eyes of the professionally religious tablemates saw his act of compassion performed with audacity right there at their dinner party was an affront to the Hebrew law. Jesus is the guest of honor, however. This was during the time when Jesus was gaining notoriety and crowds, but the Pharisees thought maybe they could woo him or maybe try to manage him or at least capitalize on his popularity. So other guests were fighting to be near the head of the table, and Jesus instructs them that they should instead sit willingly at the foot of the table. Where we pick up on this passage is where the other guest thinks aloud, head or foot, it'll be great just to be there, and maybe there is an implied something in this guest's response. Since we're sons of Abraham, we're, we're in this all right. We're going to be members of this dinner party. We're a shoe-in. It's going to be great when all of us get to the table of God's banquet. Right, Jesus? And then Jesus starts to tell a story. And when Jesus tells a story, it's partially to help people who aren't quite getting Jesus' meaning to better understand. And he tells stories partly to clarify that some people will understand and other people won't. That's some of the art of the parables of Jesus. Jesus isn't speaking in code, but he's inviting people to listen with spiritual ears to listen in ways that require folks to spend time with God, learning the meaning of what he's saying. And so the story begins with two levels of invitation. The master of the banquet let his guests know that the feast is coming up and then sent his servant out to collect people when it was time. The Pharisees were influential in Judea, which is the Jerusalem region around the time of Jesus. Based on their understanding and continuation of the teachings of the law and the prophets, we get to apply the parable's invitation language to their current circumstance, and that means that the law and the prophets were the first invitation to the kingdom of God. Jesus himself was the party. He is the feast. The question he's raising is, when it comes to be time for the feast or celebration, would they get on board? Jesus knew what had become increasingly clear to us today. How we respond to invitations is not a clear indicator of our commitment to a thing, especially if we respond to invitations on social media. The most likely response is going to be maybe. I think I've shared before that I would replace maybe as a response with the acronym WIGABO, which means might unless I get a better offer. WIGABO. Maybes mean I don't prioritize this, but if no better offers come along, I might be a part of it. The Pharisees weren't supposed to be maybes, though. They thought for sure they would be there for the banquet. Jesus was there at their dinner party, reinforcing their belief that they were shoe-ins, and Jesus continues with the story to hold a mirror to the other guests. The second lesson is this. Our excuses don't excuse as well as we hope they do. Our excuses don't excuse as well as we hope they do. 
But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married, so I can't come. If I'm being forthcoming, we've had some generally good reasons to not go places for a while. I think mandatory shutdowns in the middle of a global viral outbreak can make for a pretty good reason to not be at different places. Getting out of virtual gatherings can feel a little tougher if people know that you are able to use technology, but even still, there are a few times in life when so many people have had acceptable reasons to just not go to something in person. There has to be some space for that right now and even into the foreseeable future. When we read this part of the message, I know that some translations tell us that the invitees decided together to make excuses. It's interesting. It changes the meaning a little when there is the implication that they are conspiring to not attend. When we look at their reasons, though, to our 21st century minds, these might be good excuses. But the host knew better. He knew full well the first excuse was lame. He knew the field could be inspected at any time. He knew full well the oxen guy had a heads up about this party and that the oxen he was buying wouldn't have been purchased without already having undergone some sort of trial. Jesus' hearers knew that too. They saw what was happening. This host is being snubbed. He's being mean-girled. And even though the man getting married had a better excuse, maybe even the fact that he was throwing a wedding festival of his own, Jesus more than implies in this parable that it's still not an acceptable excuse. These were supposed to be the host's friends. It's not like one of those high school friends that haven't contacted you for a while and all of a sudden they're inviting you to a multi-level marketing opportunity that you just don't want to miss, not yet at least. In this moment, it was just a celebration. And these guys were happy enough at the invitation, but it wasn't going to change their plans. They were happy enough to receive the invitation, but it wasn't going to change their plans. Ultimately, we know that this isn't a story about a dinner party snub. It's a story about participating in the life of Christ in this world. Do any of you remember the older Saturday Night Live Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy bit? I'm going to share one of my favorites. This is it. Here we go. Deep Thoughts with Jack Handy. To me, it's a good idea to always carry two sacks of something when you walk around. That way, if anybody says, hey, can you give me a hand? You can say, sorry, got these sacks. Every once in a while, back in the in-person meeting days, I'd be driving to a meeting and I'd see a motorist who needed to change a tire or something on the side of the road. And I would then be forced to make a decision. Am I the kind of guy who would stop because I want to be a helper or the guy who wouldn't stop because I don't want to show up late for a meeting? I wish my answer to the question was more consistent and clear-cut towards being a helper. But... It's not always. I know that's not a safe scenario for everyone, so think about those helping opportunities you encounter along your way and those things especially that force you to wonder what kind of person you are and how you prioritize your time. I'm certain we all encounter those. It makes me wonder, how many of us always carry around a couple of sacks? How many of us are always carrying around a couple of sacks? Maybe not literal sacks, but our calendars are so full that we tell Jesus when he invites us, sorry, Jesus, I'm busy carrying all this stuff. Maybe later, catch me next time, okay? 
How long do we think God will accept our excuses when he calls us to follow? Maybe God in his infinite grace will wait as we continue to willfully snub his invitation to be fully engaged in his kingdom. I'm familiar enough with my own mortality to know that I don't have forever to make up my mind. And I hate to break it to you, but neither do you. Maybe we're happy enough to get the invitation to God's kingdom, but not enough to let it change our plans. Third lesson this morning is this. We get to choose our part in this banquet parable. We get to choose our part in this banquet parable. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Jesus' parables usually leave us wondering, who are we in this story? Who am I in this story? God is the host and master. We don't get to be that. But we do hear his invitation to the kingdom, even today as it reaches us through Scripture and through the presence of Jesus and the simple fact that we woke up today with breath in our lungs. The invitation has gone out to the feast, which is basically life with Jesus Christ now and the presence of our loving God eternally. It has come at a great cost and with incredible preparations. So what are we going to do about the invitation? Are we the snubbing guests who just know we deserve a place at God's table, but when the time comes to be a part of the banquet, we don't show up? The ones who were certain the invitation existed especially for them, but couldn't be troubled to participate in the celebration, who, when invited to change the world, couldn't change our plans. Are we the guests being pulled in, sometimes dragged in from the streets? Are we the broken and wounded and lame and pushed in through the door by someone still unsure of what we're even doing at the table? I remember a time in college when I was in a self-destructive phase when some fraternity friends and I decided it would be fun to go to what was at Eastern Illinois University known as the Lighthouse, which was a student ministry that billed itself as the campus bar alternative. And so we showed up visibly inebriated, and acted like fools, thinking we were shaming these poor gullible Christians. But I somehow had the presence of mind to hear the campus minister of what turned out to be the Wesley Methodist Foundation campus ministry say to us on our way out, Hey, I, I know you guys came here to be silly and act foolish, but I'm still glad you came. I want you to know that you're always welcome back. It probably took me another eight years to figure out the power of that invitation and to let it sink in when I finally found my way to Christ's table of healing. And despite myself, I will always remember it. Nobody but my friends and I were celebrating our brokenness, but at least someone was glad I came to a place where I could meet the Savior who is able to mend me. Maybe we're snubbing. Maybe we're the people who got corralled. But there's another option. Maybe we're like the servants sent out to share the invitation far and wide. Are we the ones receiving the rejections and reservations firsthand, all because the host has sent us? I think that's what happens to us when we find ourselves at the banquet table of Christ. We don't just sit there and feast. There is plenty to go around and plenty of people who need to hear the invitation. 
If we exist for the invitation, we're going to make certain that God's banquet table is full, full of joy, filled with all sorts of people from all sorts of places and backgrounds. And for some, that comes naturally. For others, it comes with fear and trembling. But the same grace that drew us to this celebration will empower us to invite others because there is still room for more. Would you pray with me? Gracious Lord, thank you for our invitation to your table of grace. We are thankful that you have given us a choice in how to respond. We hear the invitation. We hear your call to come and follow. Lord, let us not be satisfied with the invitation alone. Let us not be so happy that we were invited that we fail to let it change our plans. But let our lives be shaped around following after your kingdom. And God, when we find that this banquet table is more than enough for us, help us to share invitations as we have so freely been invited to join with you. We love you. We thank you. We're grateful that you have called us, maybe even dragged us to this table of your kindness. And we give ourselves in grateful response. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.